Eleanor Cardwell from the England Roses. You're listening to the Half Court Press. Hi, this is Bongim Somi, the Spa Proteus captain. You're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. Hi, I'm Natalie Haythorn Twitter and I play for the England Roses Wing Attack and Goal Attack and you're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. Kia ora, I'm Amelia and Kianasio from the Silver Ferns and you are listening to the Half Court Press. Hi, my name's George Fisher for the England Roses and you're listening to the Half Court Press. Captain's Log is the 10th season of the Half Court Press podcast. In this series, Theo McLeod talks to senior players from a variety of sports about leadership techniques, communication skills and team development. Uh, Yasmin Parsons, netballer of Surrey Storm and England Roses, you're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. And welcome back to the Half Court Press podcast with our captaincy specials. We have a super, super duper special guest today, Yasmin Parsons of the Surrey Storm Netball Club and the English National Netball Team. Hello, Hi. Yasmin. Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> how, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right. I'm glad to, I'm glad, I'm glad to be chatting to uh, our first netball person. Oh, I'm very privileged. That's cool. <laughs> um, yeah, we, 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 we had uh, Christina Davison of the INF on our umpiring specials and Joan Smith, who's the African Regional Development Manager for the INF as well. Oh, on, wow. On previous episodes, but uh, you're the first one I've interviewed so far on this series. Oh, fantastic. Oh, I feel really privileged now. <laughs> um. So can you, can you tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, what you've done, what, what, what you've seen and where, where you've been? Yeah, no, definitely. So, um, yeah, just to reiterate, uh, Yaz Parsons, um, I currently play for the Surrey Storm Super League, which is, um, so the Super League is one of the highest um, competitions in the UK. So it's a real honour and a real privilege to be part of something um, at the elite level. Um, and I currently represent Surrey Storm and I've been with them for about six years now. Um, And previous to that, I was with Team Bath. um, And with both teams, um, I've won Super League titles, which is an incredible experience um, and one I'll never forget. Um, I'm also in England Rose. So I'm currently in the full-time Roses programme, which didn't exist uh, back when I was in the England programme as a 16-year-old. So I first got into the England setup um, at 15 and have played and represented England at every age group. So that's under 17, under 19 and under 21 and seniors, um, predominantly playing at the European Championships for each age group and then going out on tours as well with the seniors um, and any tours up into a competition such as uh, the World Youth Champs that I went to in 2013. Um, but yeah, so I also, I'm a part-time PE teacher as well. Um, I was full-time uh, before I decided to go down the path of being a full-time England Roses player. Um, so I do part-time PE teaching on the side. So I have many hats uh, to juggle uh, in my lifetime at the moment. <laughs> so so you, you are a full-time, your full-time day job is netball. Yeah. And, and then you go, well, I'm not busy enough being an uh, uh, international class 
uh, athlete. I want to teach and <laughs> yeah. kids at the same time. Yeah, it sounds crazy, but yeah, I do that as well. And that's, I mean, I, th I think in the world of women's sport, unfortunately, that is that is not uncommon. I think um, Jill Scott, the England and Everton um, centre mid midfielder, who's a f footballer, I think at one point she had three jobs, didn't she? Uh, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, um, as much as I love netball and I, um, I love the sport and I have seen a massive um, progression uh, within our sport in terms of moving up into the professional levels, um, unfortunately, we're not paid like footballers. As much as we'd love to be, um, we just haven't got that kind of funding at the moment. And I'm hoping that, um, probably not in my lifetime, but in, in terms of my career, but um, I'm hoping for the younger generation that, netball will become professional um so they can do it as a full-time job and i think that starts with the super league first um and then obviously the england the international stuff afterwards as well so hopefully um it will go professional so athletes female athletes don't have to try and balance uh two jobs because unfortunately i've got a mortgage to pay so it's like <laughs> i definitely need to have two jobs at the moment <laughs> now you have won the super league the uh, British um, top division, elite division. I believe there's, uh, there's some Scottish teams in there as well, aren't there? Yes, there. Um, yeah, um, Sirens are the Scottish team in the league. Yes, and I think is it, is it Celtic Dragons as well. Yeah, Celtic. They are the Welsh team, so they're from. Yeah, so they're currently based um, in Cardiff. So you've won the you've won this British Super League twice. Once with Team Bath, 2013, I believe. Yes. <laughs> and once in 2016, 2016 with uh, the Surrey Storm. Yeah. Who you are captain of currently. Yes, I am. <laughs> I believe that you have also captained the English Roses, England Roses, at the 2019 European Championships. Yeah. And a tournament which you won as a, as a player in, with England at, in 2016. Yes, definitely, yeah. <laughs> so you are a proper, proper hardcore netball player? Yeah, I, I'm glad I'm, I've been playing that category, so that's nice. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> uh, where do you play? What are your, your positions? So I play both centre and wing attack. So um, I wouldn't say I have a favourite. I kind of play across both, depending who's on the court with me. Um, but yeah, I predominantly play centre and wing attack, so they're the two positions. So how did you become captain of the Surrey Storm and England? What was it? Is there a vote? Is it, is it a coach's decision? What happens? Yeah, so um, there's a um, conversation between the coaches. Um, I don't think I've ever been in a team where the squad has selected the captain. Um, I've always been in a team um, that the coaches have selected. So it my first captaincy was with England um, and I remember the coaches um, approaching me and um, letting me know that I was going to be captain uh, for the up and coming European Championships. Um, and then obviously you have a vice captain alongside that as well. So um, that actually, that captaincy um, was one of my biggest challenges because the squad was so new. Um, and obviously me, probably me being one of the senior players and having that experience maybe wavered in my favour to become captain. Um, and then I was put into um, a group um, that we had to kind of like bond and get to know quite quickly in terms of leading into the uh, Open European Championships. Uh, so that was my biggest challenge and I, I'm hoping I did it well. The girls are fantastic. Um, I really did enjoy leading them. 
and having that experience and obviously winning gold at the end as well um, was a fantastic achievement for them and for me um, and that was my first senior cap as well so there was a lot of pressure in terms of captain captaining a team that um, were fresh um, but also going out there and getting my first senior cap as well um, and then for Surrey Storm um, obviously I, I'm uh, I've played alongside Mickey for a, a number of years um, and she's now player coach of Surrey Storm uh, and previously uh, Katie Hughes was the captain and I was her vice so I think I've always been kind of in the background in terms of uh, potentially stepping into the shoes of Katie Hughes when she retired so um, I've had that experience of being vice under her and obviously being part of that group for such a long time so six years is quite a long time um, and now to be captain is a huge honour and a real privilege um, and you know to lead a team that I'm so loyal to as well is a fantastic achievement. It, it's a bit unusual isn't it I don't know where, it, where it's like a netball but in other sports that I'm aware of uh, it seems a bit unusual, unusual to be captain of your national team before you're a captain or, or at least a recognised leader of your club side. Or, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it is very different. Um, but just because of our season, the international window starts first. So we join the England camps in about July, August. And the Super League season doesn't start, well, pre-season doesn't start until late August, early September. Um, so obviously the England coaches will look at us in training to see the way in which our, we're bonding with the girls and the characteristics we show, I guess, because um, I've been under some captains where you just know they're a captain, just the way they are and their presence in training and how supportive they are. Um, and so I guess in that scenario, um, they, they do go off of what you're like in your Super League as well. So they do watch you play and they are aware of who is captain within the Super League too. So I'm not sure if that plays a part as well in terms of who they select. So it must have been, uh, must have been watching you from the stands and going, oh, she looks like she's uh, talking a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, we do see at the moment because of obviously COVID, uh, we are playing up in Wakefield at the moment. So the, um, Jess Stelby is always uh, there in the stands watching the girls um, and watching us really. So it might, might, that might play a part. She might be watching or listening in on my team talks. <laughs> of course, there's no, there's no crowd noise, is there? No, there's, uh, at the moment where we've got fake crowd noise to kind of build the atmosphere, um, but credit to England Netball um, and everyone behind the scenes, the Netball Super League, who have created um, a fantastic venue for us to play into. Um, you know, the, the sound, the lighting, the core, everything is so well done, really well organised, um, and it's really professional as well. So, um, yeah, credit to them, because they've made it something for us to look forward to every weekend. The Half Court Press was covering was covering the Netball Nations Cup. Uh, oh yeah! Last year it was about a year ago, and uh, at the couple of well, I, I was at where was I? I was in I was in Nottingham. I missed Birmingham, and then I was in London, and uh, it sold out the copper box. Sold out the copper box, and it was yeah. and it it's a right old cacophony of noise, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is. And that's what makes a difference. Um, the crowd have such an impact in terms of um, the, the pressure, the way you play, the competition, obviously the sport of your, um, support of your own fans has a massive impact as well. So 
um, not without, obviously without the crowd at the moment, it is very different. And watching the football on the telly as well, you can see the difference in terms of like, you hear the players talking to each other. There's that lack of atmosphere. And I think the crowd really bring it. Um, so to have the fake crowd noise in terms of over the top of our matches does help in terms of keeps us going. Um, and yeah, when the goal was scored, you get that fake woo, like when the goal was um, scored. It is great. It's, it's good for us. And obviously it adds that pressure. And I think that's what we need um, going forward when we return to normality. So it isn't like a big shock when we see just like, you know, crowds fill um, in stadiums. So you can, you can hear the noise as well. It's not, it's not just for the TVs. It's not. No. Yeah. So we hear the noise as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Half Court Press is now on Patreon. Patreon is a well-known and trusted online platform that allows our fans to support the sports journalism that we create. We offer a tiered subscription plan with more content being made available to our fans who choose to spend a bit more each month. We at the Half Court Press would appreciate any and all support that you wish to contribute towards our articles, podcasts and interviews. Right, so let's get into it. What what makes a good captain? Oh, good question. Um, uh, just obviously um, having being under a captain as well, I think being a good captain, uh, you have to lead your team from the front. I think you have to be that person that liaises between coaches and players, um, kind of be the middle person, um, but also be that support for teams, as, uh, well, for your teammates as well. I think that's really important um, in terms of, you know, everybody goes through um, different experiences before a match or in training. And I think a captain is there to be there for that person and get them energised and jived up for the game. Um but then also, you know, again, being that um, support for them between that middle person, between them and the coaches as well. So the coaches can liaise with the captain and obviously get um, viewpoints as well from both sides. So it's, it's, it's a real, it's a real um, challenge, but um, it's one um, that I enjoy and it's a real privilege. What, what is your style of leadership? What do you bring to the team as a leader? Oh, um, good question. I, I hope um, I'm one of those people I'm quite relaxed in terms of, um, you know, I want to be that person to help them. Um, I watched a documentary on Michael Jordan and, um, you know, people would say he's um, a bit of a tyrant in terms of the way he w went out there and, um, you know, spoke to his players and got them ready for obviously six NBA titles. And I uh, for me, I, I'm not that type of person. I want to be that support person that they can come to um, and chat to, um, but also be that person to get them ready and engaged for the game. And I think the girls see that in me at Storm. So, um, yeah, I think I think that that's potentially what they see in me in terms of my loyalty to the club, uh, my loyalty to the girls, and just getting that self-belief out of them as a captain and um, giving them that strong mentality to go out there and win. There is a, uh, my, my main sport is hockey. Right. <laughs> Phil's hockey. And as a, as a, as a hockey coach, uh, who's written a few books, and in one of the books he, he, he's, 
he's coached men and he's coached women at a very high level. Right. And it, what he was saying was, with men back in the 80s or 70s, he could be very, at the very least, he could be a bit more direct, but women wanted a bit more of a conversation. Yes. About something. <laughs> And this has been brought up in, in a couple of, of, of other episodes for this series. I've interviewed um, uh, one of the leadership group members, one of the senior players of the Uruguayan women's hockey team, um, Corfball as well. It's, it's another net... Um, yeah, I love Corfball, yeah. Yeah, but it's mixed gender. And, and one, of the, one of the male leaders was saying, I, when I first was a captain, I was very dictatorial. And the women, women in the team went, you, 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 you can't leave me like this. That, isn't, that doesn't work with me. Is, do you think that's, is that, is that true? Is that what you're trying to describe? Is... Um, so I find that really different. So actually, um, there's lots of personalities. Um, and this is both international and at Super League level as well, depending on what team I've got. Um, but you actually have a range of players that prefer that more... A direct approach um, so if they're not playing well or they need a command word to get them back into the game they prefer that direct and they're the players that I know I can do that too and I can push those boundaries whereas there are other athletes within the group whose personality suits a more softer approach um, to get them back into the game and refocused um, so I wouldn't say it's very um, like sex dominant in terms of you know men prefer direct but um, and women don't I actually find in women's sport, I think it's more personality and your traits and personality dictate how you want that feedback. So um, yeah, I find myself um, trying to, uh, well, learn the behaviors of each of my teammates. So I know, you know, if they're on a bit of a spiral. Um, I can then get them back in with certain command words or what they want to hear. Um, Cause you'll have some players, yeah, that prefer that um, subtle approach, you know, come on, you can do it or they just want some quick, precise feedback. Well, I've got other players in my group. So for example, Karen Bailey is um, the goal shooter for Surrey Storm and she prefers that more direct approach. Like, come on, get your head in this game. Um, that's too many now, too many errors, you know, get back in. So yeah, I find um, it's more to do with personality. So it's, it's, knowing, it's knowing your group and slightly yeah. to each person. Yeah, and I think that's what makes um, a good captain is knowing every individual, what their strengths and weaknesses are um, and knowing their personality and what they, where you can push them and what boundaries you can push them to as well. Just, so staying on this theme slightly, um, can you give me an example of, a, of an issue that you've come across that you've dealt with between different personality um, uh, types? Uh, yeah, so... Um, Prime example is the shooting circle. So um, I've been in a situation where, um, and this is in training, so it's good to practice stuff in training before you then hit the um, big time court. So um, for example, there'll be some pressurized drill um, and let's say the pressure's on the shot. Sometimes um, some of the girls want to be spoken to on their shot. So for example, yeah, breathe, you can do this, um, like a command word. Um, I remember one, player um Rhea Dixon who now plays for um Lee, Lee's Rhino she was previously at Surrey Storm but she preferred something like chill before the shot um or calm um I can't quite remember what it was it was so many years ago in terms of what her word was um whereas someone like Frankie Wells who's in the team now don't prefer anything so I remember she turned around to me and said yes don't speak to me on my shot because I'll miss it and that's like okay yeah fine so before I obviously didn't know that about Frankie so every time it got to the shot and I was like, confident, you've got this, you've got this. She would then miss the shot. 
Um, and I remember her turning around and being like, Yaz, don't speak to me on my shot because I'll miss it. And I was like, okay, yeah, fine. Um, and then now I know that's what she prefers. Um, whereas someone like Sophie Kelly, who's 16 and just coming into the squad and starting to get that full, um, that court time, um, needs talking to um, and needs help and support during the game. Um, and the coaches obviously relay that as well. So um, it's been those situations where it's just, yeah, getting to know them as players and what they what they prefer. Right, so there's a lot to unpack from the last, that last five yeah. minutes. I've got a few notes here. <laughs> uh, I see we're going to try and link it all together. The nuances in, in personality I find, I find interesting and how that's dealt with. Um, you seem to describe to me, or at least the way I understood it, was that there's uh, a more traditional type of leadership. Uh, it's sort of manager, coach, captain, vice captain type situation both outside Surrey Storm and the England Roses. Is that true? Yes. Um, although at the moment, um, within the England Roses programme, we have a leadership team. Um, yeah. So in the, uh, in the Roses programme, so I'm not part of the leadership team in the Roses programme, um, but there's, they, there's about eight of them in that leadership team um, that like we can go to and talk to. So there's about 24 of us in the programme, but about... about Five of us are, and um, they play abroad. So they're sometimes not always in the camp setting. Um, so I'd say there's about 18 of us roughly left behind in terms of the camp. And there's about eight of us who are in the leadership team. Whereas um, in a story storm setting, or actually I, I think I find this a lot on, in terms of um, the Super League, you have, yeah, coach, um, assistant coaches, then you've got your captain and then you've got your vice captains. Um, so for Surrey Storm, I've actually got two vice captains underneath me. So we kind of make up a leadership team of three of us. So you, we are starting to see that a little bit more now in terms of us branching out into these leadership groups um, instead of uh, your traditional captain, vice captain. How, how do you find the idea of a leadership group? Um, because the reason why I brought it up was that Cody Bowendigay, the, the Uruguayan um hockey player she's she's not part she's part of the leadership group she's one of the senior players um what she was saying to me though was she she goes towards things very emotionally she she she, she, she wants to try and help person feel comfortable and uh, help them perform better that way whereas there's another person in the, in the leadership group We'd, we'd like you to describe a bit, bit more direct and a bit more sort of does this wider uh, wider group of seniority help with the nuance of what you were talking about? Um, yeah, I think um, I haven't um, I have I haven't really sat on the board in terms of um, I haven't been in that situation where I can like listen in on the conversations that happen in the England leadership group. Um, but I find in my um, storm setting where I've got me, myself, Karen and Emily, Emily is very much, um, I guess, the approach you were talking about, about the emotional approach, uh, making sure all the players are okay. Uh, whereas Karen is more direct. And sometimes I always call Karen my backbone um, because she actually helps me a lot in terms of sometimes it is hard being a captain and you do have to stand up to the coaches sometimes on decisions. It could be things like, um, do we train before a match? Um, 
It could be things that happened in the game that we want rectifying. It could be training. Um, and sometimes I find I have to go, I think about the way in which I'm going to deliver that conversation to the coaches, whereas Karen is really good. And she's like, no, yes, this is what you're going to say. Um, and this, like, you know, this needs to go forward. And I find her very much that person that will help me in, in balancing that. Um, and, you know, that plays a part in terms of what we deliver to the group as well, the, the team that we're playing with. Um, so I find it actually helps um, have that, having that balance. And I guess at the end, I have to make that decision in terms of when, when I've listened to Karen and when I've listened to Emily as that captain, knowing what the right decision is in terms of approaching those big decisions. Um, so I find it quite good having both of those um, styles within that group, but I can also see the flip side of that. Um, and obviously um, that experience she shared with you in terms of uh, she took the more emotional approach, whereas someone in the team is more dictatory and wants, you know, that, that, that get, put it direct across to them. And sometimes I think as a group, you just have to have those open discussions and those opinions before you can then take it forward. Um, so, yeah, I can see I can see both, but I find it work. It works for us at Surrey Storm, which is a fantastic factor, really. What I what I found interesting there in what you're saying was you're listening to other people as the leader. It, it, it's not purely dictate, dictating. Yeah. It, it, it takes on board different points of view. And that's that I think is is an important conversation that has been going on recently, the last few years, and still to be had in terms of how to talk to people within your purview. Yes, definitely. Um, I I want them to come to me. I want my teammates to come to me. And if they've got any problems or any issues, they know I'm there to listen. Um, and that's, I think that's really important um, as a leader is that you're taking on views. Cause you're not like, you know, I'm not always going to get it right um, in terms of the way I think something should be approached. And that's why I think it's important to listen um, to different opinions and, you know, and I value every opinion in my team. Um, and there will be times where I would have to take charge in terms of if there were very mixed opinions, I would obviously have to make that final decision and, um, you know, weighing up the conversations that you have going forward with that. But um, I do think that's a real key quality to have as a leader as being someone that they can, you could, you know, you're a listener you um, and players find you approachable and you can, they can talk to you. Do you, do you think that there's a, a, a standard set uh, ratio between dictating and listening as, as a leader or do you think it's it's a tangent type situation malleable type evolutionary type thing um yeah I I tend to tend to go I'm more situational um depending on when I what uh the way I which I lead that group um so for for example, if we need to go direct. Now this could be that we're playing badly, we're giving too many errors away as a team, it's just not working. I think that's when I tend to go down the more um, dictated behavior. So I'm very much like, right guys, we have to get this right. There's no more excuses now. Um, you know, we've made way too many errors. We, we need to get back on our game plan um, and kind of using those uh, different um, examples. Whereas, you know, sometimes I would then look at the situation uh, in a more kind of supportive way if we if I want uh, the group to challenge themselves and allow that 
um, opportunity um, and be supportive in that in, in them challenging themselves as well. So I'm very much I think I'm more kind of like a situational leader where it depends on what's going on at that moment or in that time and in terms of how I behave. Within that context of what you're talking about, what is the role of the cap of the captain and vice captain and senior players below that? I suppose what I'm trying, trying to ask, if you change the ethos during a game, do you want your other leadership players, other senior players to follow suit or to provide an alternative? Um, oh, good question. I think maybe to follow suit um, in terms of that ethos. Um, so uh, recently, um, so we've got Felicitas in our um, team this year. And she, um, we, we got to know a word uh, the other week called um, Ubuntu, which means all as one. So we're, it's kind of like a family. So if I, if I do something, um, we kind of share the load. So whether I do something good or whether I do something bad, because we're a family, it represents us as a whole. Um, and at the moment, I think we're trying to go down that route um, in, in keeping that same ethos. So whenever, um, you know, we go out in a team talk, before we go out on, on the court, um, in training, we kind of try and keep those values, those characteristics, that ethos all together. And I think that's really important as a leader that everyone follows suit. Um, so everyone's on the same page. And I think that's really uh, predominant in the Ingram Roses. So we have a set of values that we follow um, and the leadership group um, kind of really hone into it. And then they ask us, know um because we've got some words within our um leadership in terms of the values that we follow as england roses players um and i really do believe in them i think that it's fantastic and then everyone gets on board so when we go away from the england roses back into our super league team because we're a rose we follow those values and, and that ethos and i do think it is important that everybody is on the same page if somebody isn't on the same page if there's a disagreement what happens um, yeah, so I, we haven't really been in that situation, um, but I guess, so actually I'll, I'll give you one. So one of our values is tough um, and we've got um, some Northerners and some Southerners obviously within the England side. So for a Northerner, tough is like T-U-F-F, you know, you're tough, you're going out there, etc. Whereas the Southerners, we're, you know, it tough is T U um, T O U G H. You know that's how we would spell it. Um, and on the on our values, tough was written in a northern way. Um, so I guess there was a little bit of dispute there, not rivalry between the north and the south, but there was this dispute that you know we should write it correctly. Um, you know everybody is tough. It's not just a northern thing. It's everybody across the country, and every player within the Roses program is a tough player. Um, so there was that little dispute there in terms of, you know, we want this, everyone to be on the same page. And I think it was, it was really, I remember just sitting back and listening to the conversations we were having as a group. Um, and I totally understood, you know, the way in which the Northerners say it and the way it's kind of like spelled in terms of, you know, and there is that <laughs> at the moment people do say, oh, the Northerners are tough and the Southerners are softies. Um, but when you're in the England Roses programme, you don't want your Southerners in your team being soft. And we are all tough players. So I think that was a really good um, opinion uh, one of the players put across in terms of let's let's spell it right, because everybody in this team is tough. It's not just a Northern thing. 
um, which was a really good point to make because then it, it brings the team together and that, you know, um, and that, that's kind of one of the disputes I remember having in those, in that situation. Um, but it's good to see everybody's values and opinions um, on that particular value that we all share. Um, but again, like, that's what I love about being part of that, you know, in that leadership group, we do listen to everybody's opinions and I guess it's then finding, we sometimes put it to a vote um, in terms of the way, and then people do get on board with it as well. All right, so during, during games, who creates strategy? Uh, who makes tactical decisions? So for the sake of this podcast series, strategy, we, we're defining it as long-term goals and objectives over the course of a season or a tournament or a couple of years or so. Long-term plans. Tactics yeah. are how you do that. So uh, who makes strategic decisions? Who makes tactical decisions? So... Before the game, it's the coaches. So we do performance analysis all together and we pick up on uh, strategies and techniques um, and tactics, sorry, to go against different oppositions. Um, it's really funny, actually, when you sit back and watch um, footage, some teams play very similar, some teams play a certain way. So there are things that can counteract that. Um, and as coaches, they know those correct uh, tactics to go against that particular group at the time. Um, so they're very much, I think it comes from the coaches and then during the game, because the coaches can only watch and view, uh, during the game, I, it becomes very much the team. So if we wanted to put a zone in, for example, whilst playing, uh, so like a box defence, uh, sometimes the shooter would call it. So if it's a backline pass um, coming in, so, our, um, so their goalkeeper, sorry, is taking a backline coming through the court, we would then set up a box defense. Um, and that is very much dictated from the shooter because they're at the front of the um, box, they would then dictate it. So they would either call man on, or we would then do this um, box defense. Um, I would say wing attacks predominantly call, so that's you know one of my positions, I would call the center pass setups and the strategies that we'd go against in that instance. So um, I guess as a captain, um, you know, that plays another part in my role as well. So when I'm playing in that wing attack position, I'm very much bossing the goal attack around, telling her what we should do to combat those. So that's very much like in the game at the time. I mean, I guess down the other end in terms of defence as well, the wing defence is the main leader in that instance. So they would call the defensive structures um, and relay that um, in terms of the goal defence goalkeeper as well. So... But overall strategies, so long-term plans, uh, tend to come from us as a group. So we don't really have, it's not very much coach and captains sitting down and uh, discussing uh, strategies for the group. I think that's very much open to the floor. Obviously, the coaches would lead on that. Um, but as a captain, I don't very much uh, play a part in, obviously, the strategies um, in terms of the long goals that we want. I think the coaches more take a lead on that. And then we facilitate it as leaders. So obviously get that, um, get those opinions out of the players as well. So the tactical stuff, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a bit intrigued in. I sort of sat forward then in my seat. Yeah. What, um, <laughs> mate, I, I've watched a bit of netball. Uh, I don't have an understanding of the same level as you do to it, uh, but it comes across as very much as a one-to-one -one game. You know, you, 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 you play a 
that player marking a specific opponent in a specific position. Yes. Um, but the way you, you're describing box defence and things like this, it seems like you're trying to set up there are variations to this in terms of how to... Is that, is that true? Yeah, definitely. There's lots of uh, tactics uh, that you can do as, as well as a team and as players to overcome. So, you know, box defence is probably the main one uh, that we do and it's a very much a Kiwi style. So the New Zealanders are fantastic at it. Um, and I do recommend watching them uh, play uh, positions. They're, ve they're very much, they rely on each other. So they will create this box defence. So it's not man-on defence or, you know, one-to-one -one defence. Um, it's very much uh, that box defence. So they're space hunting. So they'll sit in the space in which the attackers want to drive into. Um, and then obviously they can play on to any pass. Um, we used to call it our house. So if you can imagine the square um, that we protect in the middle. So it's predominantly all attackers want to get the ball in the middle channel. It's like the best place to have the ball because you can see all options um, down the court. So you've got your forward, your diagonal and your lateral options. Um, and the middle, landing the ball in the middle channel um, is the best place as an attacker to have the ball. So the one thing that the box defence does is it stops the attackers penetrating into that middle. So then they're forced to the sidelines where there's now limited options for them on the ball. Um, and so that's why uh, lots of uh, defenders like using it. So it protects the middle, but you have to rely heavily on everybody else doing their job. Um, so, you know, if there's one person out of place of that box defence, um, an attacking group can completely eliminate it. Um, and we used to call it our house. So the, the middle channel, the box that we're protecting is our house. Um, so we can't allow attackers coming into our house. So it's, um, it's a really good, obviously, strategy. And I'm seeing it a lot more now in Super League than I have done. A lot of teams that are using it now um, because they're trying to eliminate attackers, you know, getting that ball in that middle channel. So you mentioned that the, the wing players, the wing defence, the wing attack would have a, a lot of input into how that's how that works in practice, whether you stick with this or if you make uh, micro or macro adaptations during a match. Why why that specific position? Why, why specifically the wingers? So um, for, uh, well, as a wing attack, it's, um, I remember about a couple of years ago, it came um, a part of your role. So each, each um, position has uh, roles that you have to play and it became very evident that the wing attack would set that up. So um, only because the goal attack has a lot on their plate in terms of doing the centre pass and then scoring the goals. So that role and responsibility um, was put to the wing attack because they have the time to set up these, um, you know, these set plays, these strategies um, to overcome any sort of defensive lineup um, that is put in front of them. So predominantly we want to be taking centre passes to goal. That's how we're going to win the game. Um, so that responsibility was on the wing attack. And, you know, as a wing attack, your job is to have a really good change of direction. You have to good, have good speed. You have to be able to have the ability to get free in small spaces. Um, so it did rely heavily on the wing attack. Um, and then the wing defence, again, because they've got time to set up on this, um, on the centre pass line, uh, the goal defenders obviously their job is to stop the goal attacks from getting into the circle to score. Obviously, the keeper's too far away to get involved, um, and they've obviously got to um, 
keep the goal shooter out of play as well. So the wing defence would then take on that job in terms of setting it up. And when I shift into the centre position, I, I like seeing um, the strategy that the wing attacks put in place. So I can read as soon as I see a certain play or a certain movement as a centre, I like seeing that because I can read it. Um, and role reverse, as I'm running back, I like it when the wing defence is telling me what to do. Um, so, you know, as a centre, you're constantly running up and down the court, uh, pretty much doing shuttles throughout the game. So as I'm running back, in terms of setting up my defensive position, I want that wing defence telling me where they want me, what setup we're doing. So it does heavily fall on on the wings. So there are sectional leaders within uh, a, a team on the on the court who see different things, have different perspectives, and they have a a, a, a higher or lower level of input depending on on the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, just because I'm I'm captain, um, you know, because of the responsibility on your bib, um, that's the role you have to play. And that does bring out certain leaderships in people, uh, which is fantastic. And, you know, I, you know, I don't want to be, I'm not that captain where it's like, no, I'm the captain. I get to say everything at the end, at the start, etc. cetera. Um, I like seeing the girls... And the thing with netball, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm up for being uh, questioned on it um, or challenged, but I believe that netball is such a team sport because you have to rely on positions. Now, you know, for example, in basketball, I could go up and score myself. Um, and, you know, it's the same in most invasion game sports, but I can't, as a centre, run to the circle and score. I have to rely on the goal attack and goal shooter to score those goals for my team. And it's the same with the goal defence and goalkeepers. I have to rely on them to get turnover um, and they have to rely on me to give a good pass. So I, I find netball is such a team sport because you do have to rely on, on other individuals doing that role um, and you know being that leader in that role as well. Um, so it's nice to see, and I think netball allows that for positions to bring out that little sh bit of leadership in them as well, which is fantastic to see. And I, I like seeing it. I like being told what to do uh, by the wing defence and stuff as I'm running back trying to catch breath. So it's quite nice. <laughs> so if, if a player, if a matchup on your team against the opposition isn't, isn't working, if, if your teammate's been being dominated by uh, a, a bigger player or a, a more positionally aware player or technically better player, uh, whose who, who's, who's responsibility is that to change things? Is it, is it the captain? Is it one of, the, one of the leadership group in that area? Is it the coach? It's so for at Storm, I'd say it's, it's very much the coach's decision. So if they're seeing things aren't working, um, they will obviously call across for that person to call time. Sometimes they relay the information to me. So then I'd have to ask that person to call time to make that substitution. Um, but sometimes it very much coach will tend to speak to that person in that. So, you know, if the ball's down one end um, and let's say it was a wing defence change, uh, the coaches will very much ask for that wing defence to make that substitution. Um and it's not just, it's not because they've done a bad job. It could be to get them off so they could have that conversation and relay that tactic onto them. And then they get back on court again. Um, and that's and that's the kind of like the team atmosphere. Um, I have seen within the Super League 
captains dictating that. that that doesn't happen at storm but i have seen where captains dictate the changes um as well um but yeah predominantly it does come from coaches and that is quite common throughout uh the super league and only a few uh super leagues get the, the i've seen the captain call those substitutions if 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 the coach has made the decision to keep that player in a difficult position potentially for long-term coaching aims and objectives like you need to work on this yeah yeah and do it stay out there and do but, it yeah um, what what's what's your what's your role within that are you, are you talking to the to the individual are you helping them through are you are you what what, what, are, you, what, what are you doing as a captain so yeah um uh, it's really funny because you as a captain um when you know the players and you you know them for a long time you do pick up on their body language and i know when someone's not in it or they're having a really difficult game um so my job um, as that captain and I do it all the time um, is to go and speak to that player and make sure that they're okay so it could be things um, well at the moment we can't high five but we can like fist pump um, in netball at the moment but back then it would be like high fiving them uh, you know giving a little bum tap just making sure that they're all okay um, and you know giving giving uplifting so things like you can do this you've got this and like and I guess for, so let's say, for example, we're getting the wing defence is getting beaten in the second phase of a centre pass. I guess as a captain, I can help that player because we can till, we can go two on one. Uh, you know, we can sit in behind and force a wing attack high, so she isn't getting depth on second phase. So there's lots of things as a captain I can do, and I, I, I tend to speak to. If, for example, I can't. Um, so, for example, if it's the shooter. Um, then sometimes, because I've got um, Karen, who's my vice, sometimes I might be like, oh, can you just speak to Soph and just make sure she's okay or speak to Frankie, you know, whoever's at God attack. Um, so sometimes I ask, because so, obviously as a centre, I'm running up and down all the time. Sometimes it is really hard just to relay that information on. But I think, you know, little things like a fist pump as you're running past or a well done, that was excellent, like building up their confidence um, as I'm coming back to a centre pass is really key. So um, yeah, I do pick up on that as a as a captain. I do try and help them get back into the game. How much input should a captain have in in training? Well, yeah, again, a really good question. Um, well, so, uh, actually, more recently, uh, we had a really good discussion in terms of what our outcomes are for the season. Um, and this season has been really tough. We're playing back-to-back -back games in Wakefield. We're now at the latter end of the first round where we're starting to come up against good teams like Bath, uh, Loughborough, um, you know, Wasps, uh, teams that we know are going to be really hard and they are going to knock our confidence. Um, and so we need to go out there with this uh, winner-all-cost mentality. Um, so recently, actually, the captains have had, uh, well, uh, the leadership team have had an input in training on what we want to see. Because um, I don't think it heavily, it should, I don't think it should heavily rely on the coaches sometimes. I think we're out there, we're feeling it, we're seeing it um, as players. And I think those opinions are good to have. So recently, we've actually had that input with the coaches and have asked them to set up scenarios in games um, in training, sorry, to, you know, things like feeling the pressure, 
Um, so maybe putting an overload in um, defense on the attack. So just like things like that um, uh, and getting them to set stuff up for us in training, I think is really important. Um, and having that conversation between coach and player has happened more recently. Sorry, um, leadership team and coaches has happened more recently. And I've um, we've got like a little WhatsApp group. So I speak to the players as well. So the coaches aren't involved in this. Uh, it's called the player WhatsApp group. Um, and so I can obviously get feedback from the players in terms of things that they might want to work on uh, defensively attacking. And then I take those to the coaches. So I'm like the messenger. <laughs> so I relay the information between the two. So it sounds like that the, on behalf of the wider team, that the senior players and the leaders have, have had a, a large amount of input into long-term objectives and strategy. Um, and then it's up to the coaches to work on how to do that. Yeah. In, ter in terms of training, I was uh, a really interesting thing that happened uh, in the in the GB hockey setup in a women's team specifically, where I, I got the impression that the coaching was quite. Um, this is how we're going to do it, and this is this is what we want you to do, and very controlled to to, to a certain degree. But then one day a week during training, the, coach, the coaches would step back completely, and the, and 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 the players would would choose what they want to work on and how they want to work on that. And one of the outcomes to this was it helped to develop leadership within players and the group. And I think at times the coaches were a bit surprised of who stepped up. Yeah. <laughs> Um, interesting um, I love that approach um, because more recently we've had um, we call it a captain's run so uh, last weekend I led the led the training session I spoke to the leadership team in terms of the way in which I was going to deliver the session um, and it's, it's a lighter session because obviously we have the game the next day but it's called a captain's run so the coaches would sit back and then I would ask for maybe some combinations uh, that the coaches are looking at in terms of the weekend. Um, and then we, um, I would then lead it um, and get feedback. And I always, I always ask the girls, I, I, I say, right, this is, so I, I liaise with the leadership group and if they give me the all clear or if they want to add stuff to it, then I do. And then I go to the group, the player group, and I just suggest things like this is what the plan is. Has anyone else got anything? Um, Luckily, they all agreed it was good, so that, that we went forward with it. And um, it is nice to see those different leaders. I think, it, again, it's a, I think it's mainly about the personnel within your team as well. So because we're we're quite a new team um, and quite a young team as well, I guess this more senior players seem to speak up more, uh, whereas the young ones are very much happy to sit back, listen, soak it up. Uh, which is really interesting. Um, and I'd love to, you know, be part of a team where there's more leaders, uh, more, sorry, more experienced older players in it, which I feel you would see more leaders in it. Um, and that's, I very much find that within the England setup. Um, and I think that's why the leadership group is so big because you've got these talented leaders across the board who are predominantly captains within the Super League team. Um, and you, you see it within the training session. So when we're, if, you know, if the, uh, sometimes the coaches ask us to lead our own warm up, you then see the leaders come out in, the, in particular individuals. 
Um, and some people are just happy to not have that responsibility and will just do what those what what is suggested by those particular groups. So, yeah, I think it is really interesting because you do, as a coach, I guess you get to see those players who are willing uh, to step up into that into that role and that responsibility. Talking about people stepping up, um, taking responsibility, talking about people investing uh, their own mindset into, into situations. You've, you've spoken a lot about listening to, to, to certain individuals and some groups and does this give and take technique of leadership? Does this help help to promote buy-in to a culture? Does this help to create a team atmosphere? Yeah, I, you know, again, I'm happy to be challenged on it, but I think it does massively. Um, and I always, you know, like I like to hear the views and opinions of my teammates as well. I I I would never take full control of of a situation or. Um, my opinion matters and that's it. I like to listen to others and what they think in terms of when we make that final decision. I just think it's really important. Um, and I think the players value that. I think the girls at Storm like the fact that I do ask them um, and you know we do have that give and take kind of uh, situation within Storm. Um, and I've only had positive, well, you know, we're only halfway through the season. It might change halfway through the season. We don't know in terms of, you know, pressure starts to build, etc. Um, but at the moment, I think it's really working uh, within th that particular group uh, that we have. And I think they like being valued, that, that their opinions are valued by the leadership team in terms of when we go forward in training or in matches. The Half Court Press is now on Patreon. Patreon is a well-known and trusted online platform that allows our fans to support the sports journalism that we create. We offer a tiered subscription plan with more content being made available to our fans who choose to spend a bit more each month. We at the Half Court Press would appreciate any and all support that you wish to contribute towards our articles, podcasts and interviews. As we begin to wind up, who have been the best captains and leaders that you've played with? Oh, I, I saw this question and I really had to think about it because I there are so many um, captains and I think that's why they're selected as captains because they are phenomenal in what they do and really inspirational actually um, but the main um, I've, I've got a few I couldn't pick I couldn't pick one um, but I had a few so for example Katie Hughes uh, for Sorry Storm uh, last year she's been captain for many years uh, was a really um, inspirational leader to me um, you know, she really held the group together. She was someone I could confide into. She was also someone that would help me as a player, but like things like with pre-match nerves or things that uh, might be worrying, I could always go to. Um, and she's actually a very, very close friend now. Um, when I stepped up into that vice-captain uh, role, we became very, very close. And it was just lovely to see her 
um, in that, um, you know, watch from a kind of a, a background and see what she was like in that captain role. I was very much um, a couple of seasons ago, the player. I wasn't necessarily in the leadership group. Um, so it was really nice to be that vice captain for her um, and help in terms of that leadership last year. Um, and I knew being captain this year, I had big boots to fill. And I think that's a real um, credit to Katie and what she did um, and what she left behind uh, before she went into retirement. And I was begging her not to go into retirement, but she did, bless her. Um, and then I guess in the England programme, uh, the two that stand out for me are Natalie Haythornthway. Um, she's currently out in uh, Swifts at the moment playing for Swifts, but She's a fantastic leader. She's always been there for me. Um, we've known each other since the younger age group. So we both went to European Championships at under-19, under-21s, and we even went to World Youth Championships together. So I've known Natalie for so long. Um, and she's a real credit to her personality. She's just a fantastic person, really. You know, when she... You know, a bit like um, I spoke to you earlier about the situational leader, when she wants something, when she, you know, she puts the team first. And I think that's really important. But she's always been someone I can go to and talk to. And her advice is amazing um, because I think we've both been through experiences within our lives um, and when, within our career that are very, very similar. Um, and her, she, you know, she's just that step ahead of me in terms of what she's done and what she's achieved. And I, I love her advice that she gives me and how to overcome those challenges. Um, and then I think the last one is Laura Malcolm. Uh, she, oh, she's just a fantastic leader. She's someone, um, like I explained to you, and I was actually using her as an example, is when the coaches say, right, let's go, let's warm up. She is someone that will just spark into that leadership, into that captain role. And she's like, right, girls, we'll do this. Or um, is everybody happy? She just takes charge. Um, and like you said, I think, Credit to her, she is happy to do that. And her personality, um, she's just um, like, you know, she, she's she got those characteristics that make her a fantastic leader. And um, credit to her, she's managed to um, be vice captain to Natalie at some of the England games and things like that. So um, they would probably be my three leaders uh, that I look up to. And I hope I am a leader like them as well. I admit. I met Hayfon Thwaite at the uh, Nations Cup. And, um, yeah, I've I got the same impression. Um, yeah. uh, she's lovely and understated and giving with her time. And I've got the impression that she would be very, very happy to promote the youngest player in the team or the most junior player in the team ahead of her own ego. Yeah, like... A uh, prime example, we both play in the same position and we know it's very competitive, um, you know, um, but I value Nat as a person and a player so much. Like, uh, you know, I would consider her one of the, um, one of my close teammates. And yeah, you know, we've got that underlying, we both know we both play the same position. We know there's competition there, but she will always come up to me at the end of the training session and, and pray something that I've done. And you, you, you've got other players um, or other situations where, you know, if you're playing or competing for that same position, you might not do that because you don't want that person to know that they're doing well. Because, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's that fight for that bib. But Nat puts that all aside. Um, and that's why I value her as a person and as a leader, because, you know, at the end of the last camp, you know, she came up to me and she, you know, she told me how well I played. Um and how, how good I was in that in the wing attack position. And I just thought, what a lovely person. And it made me feel better because of what she said. And it's just like, she puts all of that 
competition aside and it's more about the individual and drive like you know driving them up and getting them energized and feeling good about themselves and that's credit to Nat and the leader she is. Best captains that you've played against or perhaps you've seen uh, on TV or from the stands? Oh, yeah. Um, best captain. Um, I've always valued Laura Langman from New Zealand, just watching her uh, in New Zealand. I think just she's just a fantastic person. She's my massive role model in terms of uh, the style of the way she plays, the way she trains. She puts 100% into everything. And I think um there was this you know big testament to her at the end of her career when she retired from the kiwis um you know and everyone said what a fantastic leader she was and she really was a role model from the start and i think she got new zealand through some fantastic competitions and i think that's a real credit to her um i think they won nations cup and that you know just to be that captain and to be that leader and then finally finish on that and retire from international netball on that high experience is just um, credit to her. And I think just watching her and the way she is with the players, you know, the um, New Zealand had gone through a lot of changes within their team and um, Laura was um, kind of like a goat in that situation. She's been through the um, Kiwis for a long, long time and people respect her for that and obviously the work ethic she has. So, for me, watching her, she is a fantastic captain um, as well in terms of the way she led her team. When you say GOAT, do you mean greatest of all time? G-O-A-T. Yes. She is a GOAT. Yeah, she is a GOAT. Yeah, greatest of all time, sorry. Yeah, not an animal. She's definitely greatest of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Most people know what that is, but for, for those who don't... Yeah. Like, <laughs> What? <laughs> oh, she's a goat, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Last question. Why is the captain so important? What does the captain do that nobody else can do? I think it, um, to be a captain, I think it, they bring the team together. So they're like the final jigsaw puzzle in the middle. Um, and you know, when you get that feeling, you're like, yes, I finally completed it. It's that last piece. I think um, the leader being a captain, you are that final puzzle piece and you're the thing that keeps the team together. Um, you know, you're the, um, the person they come to for support. You are the messenger between both coaches and players. Um, and you're the person that leads from the front. So you have to hand, kind of be inspirational to your group. Um, and, you know, I guess it's kind of having those high professional standards and those high expectations of yourself um, and just being a, you know, a good person, just like a wonderful person as well. And, um, you know, I hope if you were to ask anybody in the Surrey Storm team, you know, what is Yaz like as a captain? I'd hope that they would say I'm supportive. I'm there for them. I'm the energy of the team. Um, you know, keep the team all together in you know, really difficult pressurized situations. Um, and someone that they also look up to um, in terms of how much hard work I give and the dedication I give to the team as well. And I think that is what um, you know, a real captain is all about. Yasmin Parsons of the Surrey Storm and England Roses Netball. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. This has been a Half Court Press production by Teo McLeod. The Half Court Press is now on Patreon. 
Patreon is a well-known and trusted online platform that allows our fans to support the sports journalism that we create. We offer a tiered subscription plan with more content being made available to our fans who choose to spend a bit more each month. We at the Half Court Press would appreciate any and all support that you wish to contribute towards our articles, podcasts and interviews.